Good morning. Welcome to our worship service at First Church this morning. I want to welcome all of our guests, visitors, and those listening on radio. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning at First Church. I have several announcements before we start. The rose on the altar is in honor of Larry and Karen Niemeyer, who will be celebrating 54 years of marriage on October 23rd. So congratulations to both of you. The new heating system was fired up this past week. We are closing in on the end of the installation, and you'll also notice that by the thermometer in the back, which has been charting our progress towards the giving for this, pro- for this project, we are closing in on 100% of that also. As of this week, we're only $13,000 short. So that's a blessing. And I want to thank everybody who gave so generously to this project. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. I encourage you to take the time to look them over. And at this time, Pastor Joel would like to come forward. Thanks, Jack. I just want to direct your attention to a few things that are uh, coming up in the next couple months here at First Church uh, so that you can mark your calendars. There are announcements about them in the life of the church section in your bulletin. So um, if you don't catch everything I have to say this morning, uh, you can always take a look at that and mark your calendars accordingly. Um, October 31st is uh, Halloween. It is the village of New Knoxville's trick-or-treat night. And so as we've done the last couple of years, uh, we are going to do a trunk-or-treat here in the parking lot. So if you are interested in coming and, and decorating your car and handing out candy to kids in the community as they're walking around, that's a, a great opportunity to do that and to just show love uh, to, to, the, to the kids in the community as they're trick-or-treating. Um, especially if you are one of those families that live on the country and don't get a whole lot of trick-or-treaters on a regular basis, this is a great opportunity to, to, to set up and, and be able to, to do that here at the church. Uh, then in November, on November 20th, it's a Wednesday night, uh, we're going to have a First Church Family Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, this is something that uh, the youth actually did last year as, as a youth group, um, and they had such a wonderful time and such a success that I thought, why don't we just do it all as a church? Uh, what better reason to, to get together as a church than to get together and share a meal? And so Thanksgiving is a great opportunity to do that. So on Wednesday, November 20th at 6 o'clock in the Ministry Center, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get together as a family and have a Thanksgiving meal together. The church is going to provide, we're going to provide the turkey and we're going to cook that and have that all taken care of. What we'd like you to do is bring your favorite Thanksgiving dish, uh, whether it's a side dish, whether it's a dessert, come prepared and we will share a wonderful meal together. Um, so if you have any questions about that, you can reach out to me or Connie in the church office and we can get you some more information. But we want you to, to mark your calendars for those two things, Trunk or Treat on the 31st as well as Thanksgiving dinner on November 20th. Am I on now? Okay. Those who are able, would you please rise and stand as we are called to worship this morning is taken from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and also 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. 
but his own did not receive him. Yet yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he he gave us the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory to the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Please continue standing. This morning we are singing two hymns. Hymn number 88, Fairest Lord Jesus. We will sing verses 1 and 4. And then we'll sing hymn number 89, Our Great Savior. And those will be verses 1, 2, and 4.
the children come forward for the children's chat, just take a moment and greet one another. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good? Wow. I'm so excited there are so many of you up here. That's awesome. Some of us get to sing in a little bit, don't we? Yep. So, today we're talking about our fathers. How many of you have a father? How many of you have a dad? Do you have a dad? You do? You all have a Awesome. We all have a dad. You know what? Jesus had a dad too. Did you know that? Actually, Jesus had two dads. Some of us have two dads because we have a, our dad and our stepdad. But Jesus had, who, who was Jesus' dad? God or Joseph. Joseph. So God is his heavenly father. And that part's kind of complicated for us at this age. But did you ever think about Jesus when he was a little boy? What kinds of things might he have done with his dad? Mm-hmm. What kinds of things do you think Jesus did with his dad, with Joseph? You think they played together? I bet they did. What else do you think they did together? He probably taught him how to build things with wood. You're exactly right. Okay. Do you think Joseph ever had to, like, discipline Jesus? Do you think Jesus maybe ever, like, got in trouble? Yeah, no. Well, you know, when we're growing up, it kind of happens sometimes. Yeah. Now, I am reading this book at home, and it's... um, It's called Three Days, and it kind of talks about when Jesus was growing up and when he got to go to Jerusalem for the first time for the Passover. And it's kind of a really neat story, and it's helping me to understand more about what Jesus may have been like and what was going on in his life, you know, way back when he was a kid. Do you know when they had to go somewhere, they walked? They did, with their donkeys or whatever, But Jesus had to help find water. He had to help um, his mom when she was in the kitchen. He had jobs, just like you guys have jobs. And his father was a big part of that here on earth. And then he learned more and more from his heavenly father. Okay? And so sometimes we forget that Jesus had his father here on earth, and also his heavenly father. And sometimes that's how we refer to them, as his earthly father, which would be Joseph, and his heavenly father, which would be God. Okay, so our scripture today and Pastor Joel's sermon today is going to be about about the father. Okay? So, what are some of your favorite things to do with your dads? Reagan, what do you like to do with dad? Help him clean up his shop. Go hunting. Yes, Addy? Go to Tom's Woods. You know, I heard a lot about Tom's Woods on Friday from your cousin. He was very excited. Must be the place to be. 
Yes, Jojo, what do you like to do with Dad? Play with Dad. What do you like to do with Dad? Throw a baseball. Have a dickle fight. <laughs> what do you like to do with Dad? Caleb? Yeah. You had your hand up. Okay, baseball. Michael, what do you like to do? I know, but your arm will heal up and you'll get to do it again, I promise. Uh, pillow fights. Alana, what do you like to do? Play basketball. Ah, uh, video games. All right. Well, those are all great things that we can do with our dads. So sometime today, I want you guys to make sure you give dad a big hug and tell him thank you, okay, for doing those things with you. So let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our dads. Thank you that they teach us, that they play with us, and that they're always there for us whenever we need them. Help us to remember that we have a Heavenly Father, too, and he's always there for us. Help us this week to stay healthy and to share Jesus' love with everyone around us. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. I think those who are singing are going to stay up here and everybody else gets to go back to their seat.
lost in our service in the last week in South Dakota. I'm sorry, South Carolina. Corporal Aaron Rachel Lily Fogel, 23, from Colorado Springs, Colorado. In South Dakota, Senior Airman William Tanner Horton, 24, from Phoenix, Arizona. In Texas, Master Sergeant Matthew Vilsack, 42, from Rochester, New York. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I want to invite forward Sharon Colson. She's going to give us a quick update about how we can continue to be involved in Operation Christmas Child. As she's coming forward, I just want to say uh, to her, to all of you, thank you for the response we've seen so far with us. We are about one month away from from the prayer send-off and, and collecting these boxes. Um, and I believe at this point we've already received back more boxes than we collected all last year, and we're still a month away from, uh, from our time. So thank you, Sharon, for your leadership in this, and thank you, everyone, for being involved. And she's going to fill you in on how you can continue to be involved in the next few weeks. Thank you. Thank you. As Pastor Joel gave several important dates coming up, I would like to remind you of several important dates to Operation Christmas Child. On Sunday, November 10th, after church, we will have a packing party. I have plenty of shoeboxes, and I'm still accepting filler items. As you know, I have 195 pairs of shoes, and I have lots of beanie babies, and uh, I can still accept any other items of, that are appropriate for filler items. The collection point has moved into the old pastor study, which was previously in the heritage room, but you can bring anything into either the heritage room or the old pastor study, and I'll get it from there. The second important date to remember is Sunday, November 17th. On Sunday, November 17th, we will have all of the shoe boxes up front here, and we will specifically pray for those shoe boxes as they go out. Operation Christmas Child has means to track by where the shoeboxes go. Although First Church is paying for the shipping of the shoeboxes, it would be difficult for us to track your particular box. Therefore, if you wish to follow your box, we ask that you go online, pay the $9 yourself, and print off the follow your box label. Countdown is 28 more days. Time is going rapidly. Uh, until November 17th. So I'm encouraging you to be part of the packing party after church on Sunday, November 10th. Continue to bring in any items you can donate for the party, and all shoeboxes should be turned in before Sunday, November 17th, when we will be specifically praying for all aspects of Operation Christmas Child. Whether your shoebox goes to war-torn countries, someone affected by hurricanes, or poverty, The message is still the same. Jesus loves me. This I know. Thank you, Sharon. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for, um, Lord, in this case, the opportunity to uh, bless those with a blessing we we ourselves have received from you. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we as a church and as individuals have an opportunity to give back and in this way and in many other ways as well, Lord. Uh, thank you that um, 
Lord, for the generosity of this church and in so many different ways, Lord, um, thinking of, of the heating system and the, the fundraiser, the, the, the funds that we've raised to, to do that, as well as the other mission projects, Lord, that we support through our offerings. Um, and then opportunities like Operation Christmas Child and, and other things that come up, Lord. Thank you that we have the privilege and the joy to give back uh, through, through the many blessings that you've given us. Lord, I ask that you would be um, with us as a church. We ask for your guidance and your provision. As always, we seek to follow you wherever you may lead us. Uh, God, you are our Heavenly Father. And help us as, as the family of God, as, as children, uh, sons and daughters of the King, help us to reflect more and more your image in everything we do. Lord, we pray for uh, concerns in our own community and our church. We lift them up to you, represented in our prayers and concerns list, as well as, Lord, um, people listening on the radio and others, Lord, that may, may, uh, may have needs, Lord, that we don't know about. Uh, we ask that you would be with them as well. Lord, we also lift up um, uh, concerns that are, that are prevalent around our world and, and in our nation. Um, we specifically pray, Lord, for uh, peace in the Middle East. Uh, Lord, we ask that, that, uh, that violence and war would end, and we ask, Lord, for peace to be, to be realized in, in that situation, Lord, and in, in all of our lives. Uh, you are the Prince of Peace, and we trust that you are, uh, Lord, that you will establish your kingdom. And until that, door, until that day comes, Lord, help us to live uh, in, re- in the reality of your kingdom here and now. And that means uh, being peacemakers and, Lord, looking for ways to spread the good news of your gospel in whatever way possible. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's continue an attitude of worship this morning. I invite you, if you're able, to stand and sing with us number 29, Glorify Thy Name. We're going to sing the first verse only. Our offering this morning is going to support the radio fund here at First Church. Uh, this fund is what makes our radio broadcast week in and week out uh, possible f- with, through your generous support. So uh, let's pray together and thank God for the opportunity to, to give back in this way. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity we have as a church to, to broadcast our service on the radio and, and be able to, uh, Lord, share the message of your love and your gospel, Lord, with all who are able to tune in uh, to T102. I pray now as we take this offering up that you will bless, bless this gift. Thank you for the opportunity to give back and pray that you use these funds to further the, the spreading of your gospel in this community. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In fact, those who are helping with the offering to come forward.
You may be seated. Our scripture reading today comes from 1 John, chapter 2, verse 28, through chapter 3, verse 10. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God? That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he may take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because of God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Sam. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are the author and giver of life. Um, that is true for us physically speaking, Lord, but also spiritually. We thank you that you have given us the gift of new life through your son, Jesus Christ. And, and today, as we talk about what it means to be a child of God, I pray that you would instill in us a uh, exactly, Lord, what you want us to hear and that you would give me the words to speak and that our hearts and minds which be, would be open to your truth. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we turn ourselves to, to God's Word this morning and, and looking at 1 John chapter, the end of chapter 2 and the first part of chapter 3, uh, we see kind of a, a shift in, in the focus of, uh, of how John talks about our salvation and our stance before God. These first uh, couple chapters, we've talked about that relationship we have with Him, being in Christ and knowing Him in that way. Uh, here John begins to talk about what it means to be a child of God. And it's, it's, um, John is, is, is shifting his, his language here because he wants us to, to pick on something, pick up on something that's very important. Something that, that he emphasizes throughout the Gospel of John is that is our need to be born again. Our need to be born of the Lord. Um, and, and when we, we are, that's why this language of being a, a child of God and, and scripture over and over again uses, uh, the word father to describe our relationship with God. These, these terms are meant to convey something to us. Uh, it, it means to the relationship we have with Him, uh, of course, but also it gives us a little bit of insight into how we are ourselves meant to reflect the love of God. You see, we're called to be like our Heavenly Father. Like a child is, is like their parents, we're also called to be like our Heavenly Father. And that's exactly what John is, is getting at here in this passage. 
Before we jump into that, in chapter 3, he does end chapter 2 by, by referencing the return of Christ. And he says that, that our goal as Christians, our goal as children of God is to continue in Him or remain in Him as we await His, His, His second coming. I've mentioned this before and it bears repeating. The talk of Jesus' return and the talk of His second coming is always meant and is always linked to our present behavior. It's always meant to encourage us to live for Christ here and now. Scripture is very clear about certain things, right? Jesus will come again. But it's also very clear that we don't know the day or the time or the circumstances around that, right? He will return, and it's not up to us to try to put together a timeline and figure out when that will be. Scripture says only the Father knows that. Our responsibility, however, is meant, we are meant to, to await expectantly for His return, and that our behavior in this present life should reflect Christ in everything we do. Right, God, and so it says here that God wants us to be confident and unashamed when He does return. And see, this confidence isn't, it doesn't come from ourselves, but it comes from the fact that we are children of God, that we know Christ, and it's His righteousness, not our own. Philippians 3 is a great example of what this, what this looks like. I encourage you to turn there with me if you have your Bibles open. Philippians chapter 3, Paul just finishes talking about um, you know, all the reasons he has confidence to be all, all the reasons he has to be confident in his flesh, in his own actions, in his own works. But then in verse seven he says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Notice there what Paul is is teaching us is that this confidence that we can have in Christ, the righteousness that we have in in standing before the Lord isn't our righteousness. It's not confidence in our own works, but it's confidence in what Christ has done for us. It's confidence in his righteousness, which we receive on the basis of faith. So John here in first John is telling us that we we should be confident. We can be confident because of what Christ has done for us. In verse 29, he says he refers to those who have been born of God. Notice there, that's a, a passive tense, right? Has been born. In other words, it's, it's God who is the source of life, not, not us. It's God's will. It's God's work to bring about new life in our lives. We receive, in other words, what God has done for us in Christ. Think back to our call to worship this morning, right? From John, again, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Reminds us, yeah, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Right? Our, just as our, we, we did not get to choose the, the time and the place and the circumstances of our own physical birth, right? Uh, we don't, we didn't get to choose who our parents were. We didn't get to choose who our family was, right? That was something completely beyond our control and, and, and we had no say in how, in those circumstances. We ourselves can't 
do anything to bring about our spiritual birth. It is com- we are completely dependent on God's grace for that. No matter how hard I try, no matter how good I think I am, right? I can't, I can't save myself. Therefore, we have to be completely dependent on God's grace, which is why I think this uh, analogy of being born again and, and being a child of God is so perfect because it describes that relationship in such a, a, a way of, of complete dependence on our Heavenly Father. We can't save ourselves. We must depend on Him in everything and for everything, especially when it comes to our salvation. And so that's what, that's why we can be confident. We can have boldness. We don't have to be ashamed in a harsh world. Right? Chapter three goes on to, to tell us two instances where we can and should have confidence. The first is that we can have confidence when the world rejects us because of Christ. Right? Jesus himself was rejected by the world. He was perfectly obedient. He was the perfect representation of God. And, and if anyone should have earned a, a good reputation from the world, it was him, right? Because he was sinless and he was perfectly obedient. Yet Jesus himself was rejected by the, by the leaders. He, he suffered death on the cross. Why should we expect any different as Christ followers, right? We should, be, we should expect to be rejected by the world. Yet we can have confidence that even if the world rejects us, God does not. In Hebrews chapter 11, which is often kind of referred to as, as maybe the, the hall of faith or the, the chapter of faith, the author of Hebrews goes on to list example after example after example of people who by their faith pleased God and, and lived righteous and good lives. And, and, he, and he goes on and on. Near the end of the chapter, he begins to list, he says in verse 32, what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson. And he, he continues to list people and the, the wonderful things that they did. Picking up in verse 35, he says, women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others then who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute, persecuted and mistreated. Then verse 38, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all they these were all commended for their faith yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us that only together with us would they be made perfect See we expect life to be easy we expect people to to you know receive us well but yet we are taught in scripture and over and over again that we may be rejected because of our belief in Christ right and that should not catch us by surprise and and we can have confidence in the Lord, because he reminds us here and elsewhere that that though we are rejected by the world, we are received by him. We are children of God. So we can have confidence when the world rejects us because of Christ. We can also have confidence enough to reject sin for the sake of Christ. First, John three goes on to talk about how how a a. To continue in sin, to continue to be intentionally sinful in our lives is, is incompatible with being a child of God. In other words, we're called to have a family likeness. We're called to be like Christ in everything that we do, in our attitudes, in our thoughts, in our words, and in our behavior. We're called to look like our Heavenly Father. 
And so we can have a confidence that uh, confidence to reject sin for the sake of Christ. And we'll talk about more more about that in just a moment. But this confidence, once again, is is not because of our righteousness, but it's born out of our status as God's children. We are God's children. Therefore, we can have confidence and boldness. Chapter three then describes, you know, what we are in Christ. And 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 I want to take a moment and walk that walk through that with you. He says three things. He talks about what we are, what we will be, and how we should act in the meantime. And so first of all, we are children of God. Chapter 3, verse 1 reminds us that, you know, what great love the, the God has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And I love that word that has lavished on us, that has given us. It's this extravagant outpouring of God's love for us. Romans 5, 5 tells us that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, I've always said there's been a couple moments in my life where I, I truly gained a, a deeper and, and uh, more significant understanding of God's love. And, and one of them was, was my wedding day when I married Allie, right? Becoming a husband, making that commitment helped me understand God's love for me in a deeper way. But the second one was when I became a father, right? The moment that Jojo was born and then a couple years later when Miles was born just helped me understand God's love in a new and profound way. Right? And, and when Jojo and when Miles were born, right, we poured love out on them from the moment they came into this world. They had done nothing to deserve it. Right? They had done nothing to earn our favor and earn our love. Yet, simply because they were my children, I chose to love them. Right? And, and, and that is what a, a great and beautiful picture of God's love for us. Right? Being surrounded by, by loving parents, by family who would do anything for us, not because of who, not because of anything we've done, but simply because of who we are. Right? Neither of them deserved, uh, did anything to deserve that kind of love. They are loved simply because they're part of the family, because they're my children. In the same way, we are God's children. We've been received into His family, not because of anything we've done, but simply because His love for us, His, His decision to pour out His love and His grace in our lives. And if you think about it, God's love is really, really beyond comprehension. It's too difficult for us to understand because it is so much bigger and so much more profound than any love that we can have or experience in this life. Ephesians 3, there's this beautiful prayer of Paul talking about how, how he prays that, that their hearts would understand and just how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is. God's love is, is so much greater than even our love for our children and is infinitely greater than the love that I have for my kids. That doesn't diminish the love I have for my kids, but it just shows us how great God's love is for us. And so I believe in order to function well as children of God, in order to be good Christ followers in this world, we truly need to, we need to live out of that status as God's children. We need to know who we are in Christ. Just as a child thrives knowing that they are safe and secure and loved by, by their parents and by their family, I believe children of God also thrive when they know they are loved and cared for and safe and secure in the eyes of God as part of His family. And so we are children of God. And then he goes on to say that we will be like Christ one day. He says we are children of God now, but one day when Christ returns, when, we are, when His kingdom comes in its fullness, we will be like Him. 
In Romans 8, 28 through 29, it reminds us that it is God's will for us to be conformed to the image of his son. That God works all things together for our good, so, for those that have been called according to his purpose. And that purpose is that we would be conformed then to the image of his son. What a beautiful passage and what a, what a great reminder that God can even use the rejection we experience from this world. God can even use our experiences in this life, even the hard ones, to make us more like him. And if I'm honest with myself, and I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we would admit that we are works in progress, aren't we? We are children of God, we are loved, and we are accepted by Him, yet there is a lot of work for us to do in our lives. There's a lot of, 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 of sin that needs to be right, right, reformed and repented of and, and dug out so that we can be like Him. One day we will be like Him in eternity, but right now we have work to do. We have, uh, we have um, progress that needs to be made. And it's God's Spirit living in us and working in us that will bring us to that point. And so, and so John here sets up a contrast, right? We are children of God currently, right? And one day we will be like Him in, in holiness and, and purity. But until that time, we have, there's a gap there. There's a gap that, that between where we are now and where we will be one day. And so then he encourages us in verse 3 of 1 John to be pure as He is pure. Out of our status of God's children, knowing that one day we will be like him, he says in verse 3, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. We know who we are. We know who we will be. And so now John encourages us to live in light of those two realities. He talks here about hope. Hope, you know, in, in a popular sense, is simply wishful thinking. Right? It's unfounded without any real hope or expectation of fulfillment. You know, I hope I get something for my birthday, you know, as a present, right? Or I hope I get something for Christmas. Josephine, right now, anytime a commercial pops on, she goes, I want that, right? Doesn't even really matter what it is, but she wants that, right? Um, this is the time of year as Christmas is approaching. Everybody's thinking about presents and, and we're putting together wish lists, right? That doesn't mean, that doesn't guarantee that we will get those things no matter how much we want them or how much we hope we will get them. But the hope that the New Testament talks about is not unfounded wishful thinking. It is, it is settled certainty in light of God's promises. In other words, we can have hope that we will be like Christ, not and, and that's not unfounded wishful thinking. That is a promise that God will come, make come to pass. A promise that He will fulfill in our lives as we put our hope and our trust in Him. And so, since we know this is to be certain, since we know that one day God will make us like Christ, let's live as if that's already true now. Right? Let's live pure and holy and blameless lives now as, if, as, as God is working to bring us to that point. Once again, our righteousness in this life does not earn us a place in God's family, but it is evidence that we are already there. I'm a big sports fan, in particular baseball. Unfortunately, the, the St. Louis Cardinals were eliminated from the playoffs already, but I'm still paying attention. Uh, and and if for in, in baseball, right, if a, if a player is up to bat and hits a home run, right, that run is on the board. There's, there's no way that is, that is going to be taken back. But the player is still required to circle the bases and, and touch all the bases. He doesn't have to worry that he's going to get thrown out. He doesn't have to worry that they're going to throw the ball back into play and they're going to tag him. He can take his time circling those bases. 
And our relationship, our status as God's children is kind of similar, right? Our, our place in God's family has been made secure in Christ. And we can have confidence and boldness knowing that we are children of God. That ball has already been hit out of the park. Not by us, but by Christ. Our responsibility now is to circle the bases. We're called to live in light of that victory, in light of that accomplishment. We're called to circle the bases, to touch first, touch second, touch third, and eventually come home, living in the confidence that, that we will not be disqualified. We will not lose that as we, because Christ has already secured that victory for us. And that's what this family likeness is about. He says here, he, it changes, our, our attitude towards sin should change. He here calls sin lawlessness. It's rebellion. It's rejection of God's will. And it says here that Jesus came to take away our sins in verse 5. And in verse 8, that he came to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, he came to free us from the penalty and the power of sin. We no longer have to fear eternal punishment or separation from God. And we also no longer have to live under the power of sin in this life. We can be free from the grip that it has on us. And so we need to live like Christ. We need to begin to look like our Heavenly Father. Children often resemble, both physically and through their behavior, their parents. Right? We, I, I see that in my own children. Right? Uh, I've, we've had plenty of people say that. Right? They not only do our kids look like us, but then I see my sometimes my attitudes, both the good and the bad, in them as they are as they are learning to to live in this world. There's no mistaking that my kids are my kids, and and sometimes I even see bits of that in their personality. As children of God who have experienced His incomprehensible love, we should also begin to look and act like Him. Right, as my kids grow up and they are living in this world, one day they're gonna, people are going to look at them and they're going to say, "Well, there's there's no doubt that they're a Bucklin. They look like their dad. They look like their mom." And they're going to also probably pick up our mannerisms and our behaviors, and, and people are going to see that the way that they act and think and talk, and they're going to say, "I see my dad. I see their dad, or I see their mom in them." In the same way, I want people to look at us as Christians and say, "I see the heavenly Father." in them. They look, they act, they think, they behave, they talk like their heavenly father. What a wonderful thing that would be. See, our attitude towards sin is meant to change. In closing, I want to, I want to point out one contrast here, and it's very important for us to to think about this. He says here that he begins by, begins this passage by, by talking about those who continue to be in him, continue to be in Christ. And then later on, he talks about those who continue to sin. John here is not talking about those who, who, can, who, 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 who sin, who, mistake, who make mistakes, who, who stumble, because all of us do that. Even the most faithful Christian will sin because that is the reality of the world we live in here today. But the attitude that John is, what John is talking about here is our attitude towards sin. About remaining in sin, by choosing intentionally to to remain in that sort of lifestyle. And, and, and so as Christians, our attitude then should, be, should change. We should be not be indifferent to sin any longer. It should bother us. It should leave a bad taste in our mouth. And so we are called to be pure. We're called to live in Christ. And our attitude towards sin should change. We've been saved. We've been born again. We must work to remain pure 
and reject sin. And as we do, we will be dissatisfied with sin and the empty promises that it holds. So I want to encourage you to do the next right thing. Forget about your failures, your shortcomings. They're in the past. They've been covered by the blood of Christ. And so we must repent and move on. We can't change the past, but we can move forward with confidence and boldness into the future that God has for us as his children. This time we're going to close in prayer and in our last song here will be uh, a praise song. Good, good father. The words are printed in your bulletin. And so as I close in prayer, I encourage you to, to turn your hearts and, and minds to closing in worship this morning. Father God, I thank you that you have made us your children. I pray now that as we as we uh, turn to sing our praises to you, uh, help us to remember that you are a good, good father, that you have poured out your love for us. And help us to now live in light of that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Those who are able, I encourage you to stand and join us as we close our service in worship this morning. Explainable, I can hardly 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.